This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Hello ladies and gents and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host Chris Simpson and joining me as always is Cara Thistlethwaite. Hello. And I'm frustrated to say listeners, once again, stop me if you've heard this one before, joining you after yet another winless game for Newcastle. Oh you didn't lose. We didn't and that would have been absolutely calamitous but yet another example of Newcastle going ahead and and failing to hold on to a lead. Yeah, um, Newcastle, yet again, as you said, have shown that they can co- completely control a game. Obviously, that's mainly the first half. The second half, um, Newcastle didn't really exist, to be honest. N- Norwich in the second half had the same role that Newcastle had in the first. As I say... Um, it's, it's just it's creating all those chances and not getting a result out of it. And, and the goal that Newcastle scored was something out of nothing, really, from some maximum. I mean, probably the worst thing about that whole match was the commentators living life to the max comment. <laughs> he'd, about had that, some he'd, he'd had that one up his sleeve for a while, hadn't he? Oh, <laughs> actually offended me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think... I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, we might as well talk about that goal. I mean... I mean, some just yet another reminder of Sam Maximan's world-class talent. The way he wins the ball back, manages to hold on to possession even whilst sort of slipping over, and then the way he sort of cuts inside, beats a couple of people, and, and slams it in was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, this is probably going to be quite a negative podcast, listeners, and I am about <laughs> to be negative in a minute. But that obviously was such a great moment of quality. What kind of worries me a little bit in a way, is the fact that that came obviously early in the second half. And as we, as you mentioned, for the rest of the second half, really, after we went ahead, you know, it was all Watford, really. Yeah, um, I, I do think you need to remember that, that Ranieri <clears throat> is a manager that man- as soon as, you know, his team's in trouble at half time, he does always manage to turn the team around. We saw that with Leicester. And, and I guess I'm not saying Watford are going to win the league at all. Um, I think Ranieri came in when, when Pearson had put together a really good team and Ranieri was then just able to make the most of it and just came at that time when it was developed enough mm. that he just needed a slightly different take. But he's very good at turning teams to get a result. And the fact that Newcastle didn't run away with it in the first half when they should have done yeah. left it open for them to come back and all it took I mean Lascelles did his best as well to make it worse but <laughs> yeah. the, the Watford team just came out with a plan I think in, in that second half and the plan was just to disrupt what Newcastle were doing and they did that extraordinarily well and Newcastle were then mainly on the back foot for that whole second half but again it's not the creating chances that's the issue it's the, it's the finishing the chances and there was the, the crossbar, was top corner, I believe, actually, from, from Jolington. Yeah. And then another one where Jolington maybe could have done a little bit better. But he was under a lot of pressure. It wasn't as clear-cut a chance as, as some of them have been. But 
I, I feel there was a lot of great moments. You've spoken about Sad Max, ma'am. And there was also quite a few players who just didn't do great. So the cells have just said before he was a bit he was doing a Soyunchi, to be honest. Um and and also Sad Maxman did give the ball away in dangerous positions as well. Maybe trying to make too much of nothing on the halfway line. It just it didn't seem like the more cohesive Newcastle we've seen in, in recent games. Yeah, well, as you said, just going back to that first half where we were on top and then, yes, as I say, Sam Maximan's goal was brilliant. But yeah, what kind of worries me is that we can't kind of score, quote-unquote, normal goals. You know, even against Man, Man United, for example, again, it was, a, it was a great piece of skill from Sam Maximan that got us in front early on. But as good as a player as he is, you can't rely on that no. every single week. We need to be able to score goals around the team when Callum Wilson isn't playing. Obviously, that's one of the reasons why we brought in Chris Wood, and we'll go in. Uh, we'll talk about him a little bit more. Obviously, a bit of a quiet debut from him, but yeah, that that's what worries me is, and I, and I remember saying to you at half time, which to be fair, we did then score early in the second half. Obviously, as we've said after that. It was then very much the, the Watford show. But that first half, I was really annoyed when we went in nil-nil at half-time, having been the better side in the first half because we just couldn't take the chances. And yeah, it's the failure to capitalise on, on possession, position, chances. All of those things, we're just not seeing it come out in goals and therefore points at the end of the day. I mean, what, 22 points dropped this season from a winning position, which is the worst in the league. It's so frustrating. Um, But it does also show that Newcastle can do it. And it's almost like, did Newcastle get that one goal? And they're like, wait, job's done, because Watford ain't going to score anything because we've been all over them. And they took the foot off the pedal. And Watford's just all in. Again, half-time talks... Ranieri is known for doing that, so I wouldn't necessarily bring this all the way back as a, as a complete negative on Newcastle. But the main negative is the fact that the Magpies did not go into that first half, at the end of the first half, sorry, did not go into the second half with one or two goals. Because I think if they had, that would have made a significant difference. Yeah, that, that's the thing that we've seen so many times this season is, to be fair, get, getting that first goal from Newcastle isn't normally too much of a problem. I mean, obviously... Uh, last week against Cambridge, uh, obviously very much was a problem. But generally, you know, if, for example, the Man United game, we went 1-0 up. York even games a little bit further back when we drew with Norwich 1-0. Despite having 10 men, we went 1-0 up. And even and even the one game we won this season, which was at home to Burnley, we won 1-0. But that's the only one where we've then been able to hold on to that 1-0. Our problem is we'll go 1-0 up and even if we continue to have chances. We just never seem to struggle um, to, to tuck that second one away and build up that, that two goal lead Yeah. that let's be realistic with our defense is really what you need before you can even start thinking about maybe having the win in the bag. Yeah. And then, you know, Jao Pedro pops up at the end with that header in the 87th minute. And it was a great, it was a great goal. I can't say I was surprised, obviously, especially the timing of it, you know, with a, a few minutes left at the end, obviously is really gutting because at that point, despite the fact that Watford had been on top, you think maybe, maybe we can just do it. And then, yeah, once again, Newcastle's inability to hold on to a lead 
comes back to bite us. I mean, I said, I mean, 22 points. Like, even, even if we'd have only dropped half of that, we would be so much better off. I'm not saying we would, we'd potentially still be in the relegation conversation, but we would be dramatically, dramatically more comfortable. Yeah, I, again, we, we, I mean, I think last week we did speak a little bit about confidence and, and how the, the Cambridge, about how the loss to Cambridge could have affected Newcastle's confidence. This problem of not scoring and capitalising on winning positions is something that's been ongoing. But it did almost feel nervy. As soon as you scored that goal, Newcastle were nervy on an edge and it, it proper let Watford in. I think that's the problem is because we've done that so many times this season and obviously only once have we successfully seen the game out. And, and did your best then. then. Yeah. And even then, that, that Burnley win, that was extremely nervy at the end. That's that, 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 I think that's the difficulty is because it's just happened so many times. That will be playing on the players' minds in that second half and certainly in that last half an hour, that last 20 minutes, that last 10 minutes. With every single minute that ticks by, the nerves are kind of going to increase a bit. And that's why, again, it's so annoying that we couldn't get that second goal. As you say, Sam Maximan should have been the second or third goal for us. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I mean, again, with this defence, I wouldn't put anything past them, but your chances of holding on are obviously significantly better. You're going to be a lot less nervous. You're going to feel a lot more confident that you're going to be able to see it out. And yeah, uh, it's just, it's so frustrating because, I mean, as I said, losing this game would have been absolutely calamitous because we would have been five points behind Watford then. But to go from when we were winning the live table, we were out of the relegation zone to go from being out of the relegation zone to then being behind Norwich, who of course beat Everton, is is so soul crushing yeah. to be honest. Like, and I mean, like you know, fair play to Norwich. I mean, obviously Everton massively helped them because Everton are abysmal, and of course Rafa Benitez paid the price for that yesterday and has been sacked. But you know, the fact that Norwich have gone and, and won. And obviously Norwich have actually won a few times this season. Their problem really is just, well, they have many problems, one of which being when Everton aren't in town, they really just can't score. But they've still won several games this season, whereas we've only won the one. If if you know if they could get some draws, they might actually not be, well, they'd still very much be in the relegation conversation, but you know, you never know with them. Yeah, we can't. We just we can't seem to buy a win. Is our problem? We can get the odd draw. I mean, got another one here. But on paper, you would argue that Norwich deserve to be out of the relegation zone more than Newcastle. That's literally on paper and, and at data, rather than actual performances. But I, yeah, in I mean, some ways, you're not wrong. No, and, and it, the game again highlighted not only the fact that. Newcastle are still in dire need of, of midfielders and strikers, despite Chris Wood, which again we'll talk about in a minute, but centre-backs as well. I mean, we've we've already said how LaSalle struggles and we've, we've discussed that and, and looked at it. And it, it was pretty, it was painfully obvious again. Like, was, I, you know, I like Jamal LaSalle, you know, I think he's been a great captain for Newcastle. Yeah, I apologise if you can hear this, guys. The cat has eaten my cheese. I have cheese and wine. And he's now eating my cheese. <laughs> so you can talk about your depression about 
this match. But I think the real loser here is me because he's really fucking liking this cheese. And I have cheese and wine. <laughs> and now I just have wine. <laughs> I'm genuinely not sure which is the better part of cheese and wine. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a cheese thing. It? <laughs> it's just a bloody scavenger. Then, anyway. Hopefully, I mean, I'm not saying I want us to get rid of ourselves or anything like that. But hopefully we can bring in another centre-back this month, or at least one anyway. I mean, as we said, I mean, really, what position don't we need more players in? But certainly centre-back. But Lascelles complete change is really disconcerting because he has been one of your better defenders for a long time, but he seems to have lost all his instincts when it comes to defending. Now, whether or not that's the new star that he was forced to play under previous managers... I don't know, but there is something significantly wrong there when there has been an improvement in Newcastle's defence overall. Yeah, it's yeah. As I, said, I mean, you know, I mean, Rafa Benitez, he really got the best out of that team, which was, let's be frank, largely the same defence. Obviously, literally, like Kieran Trippier has just come in, but setting him aside for a moment, it, it was. Were sales. It was Fabian Share. It was Kieran Clark. It was Federico Fernandez. You know, it was it was the, certainly the same centre backs. Um, and then since then, as we've seen with Bruce, and of course, we know unfortunately for all of Eddie Howe's strengths, organising a defence isn't one of them, and that is one slightly cautionary thing that we did mention when he came in. As as exciting and positive as an appointment as he was. That is an issue that we were aware of with him coming in. And it has become blatantly obvious. And obviously, I want you know, as as I just said, we need to get more defensive talent through the door this month. But at the same time, how noticeably have we improved at the back since he came in? Don't get me wrong. Overall, our standard of performance, while the results might not necessarily reflect that in terms of yeah, you know, yeah. getting wins and what have you. Our level of performance for generally throughout the team has been so much higher, and we've seen players like Joel Antuna, who again, obviously, maybe could could have scored once or twice the other day, but in terms of playing in midfield, was absolutely dominating Sissoko for a lot of that contest. We've seen that improvement, but how much have we really improved at the back? I, I haven't gone into the numbers to see, listeners, but. Well, I mean, of course, we, we know what happened against Leicester and, and Manchester City, you know, before Christmas. It it, it wasn't good. So... There's a hole in the centre. Right and left back are fine. They're becoming more and more involved every time Newcastle play. They become really important moving forward and, and it gives you the momentum. However, as soon as there is a break or any form of lapse in judgment, which always comes from somewhere in the centre... The centre defence cannot deal with it and just fold in on itself. They cross each other, they leave massive gaps, don't seem to communicate very well. Maybe a little bit of that is on Dubravka himself. Maybe he needs to be shouting more to try and organise them. I know that's not necessarily his role, but he can actually see it from being behind them. Maybe there needs to be a bit more communication so they're aware of where they are. But every time, that is where people score just run straight through the middle or from a set piece 
And it's always against someone from the centre defence every time. Yeah, and I think what really makes me pessimistic for the rest of the season, and I know obviously there's still a lot of football to be played. There's still more pessimism to go. <laughs> there's still, <laughs> but yeah, you know, there's, there's still a lot of the January transfer window to go. So obviously, I am being a little premature. But you really worry where the wins are going to come from when you look at our results against the teams around us. We've played Norwich, Watford and Burnley all at home. Now, we haven't lost to any of them, but we've only beaten Burnley. Again, as we've talked about many a time, we should have beaten Norwich, and if not for Kieran Clark, I do think we would have. But you've got to wonder where the wins are going to come from because you're never going to have three easier chances in theory of getting victories than playing the, th- the other three worst teams in the league at home. With Let's face it, we've had more or less a full-strength side there apart from Callum Wilson not being playing. That is worrying. However, a bit of optimism now. And again, as I said, he had a bit of a quiet debut, but the hope is Chris Wood, who arrived in midweek from Burnley, £25 million transfer, two-and-a-half-year deal. The hope, obviously, is that he can step up where Wilson is absent in the coming weeks and then eventually when Wilson comes back, actually maybe partner him up front and get us those goals. Uh, we, we well, To be honest, if he doesn't, a lot of pressure for him, but if he doesn't, then I think we are going to go down because you know we are in, you know, as we said, a pretty dire situation. But I have to say, I'm pretty pleased with his arrival. Play alongside Wilson. Oh, I don't think he will this season because, by all set accounts, Wilson isn't coming back. Well, certainly not in the next couple of months, anyway. Yeah, but if he does play alongside, it'd be a nice um, oh, juxtaposition because he's a big, strong player, very good in the air, should be able to get good service from from Trippier. And, and to be fair, you're improved um, wing backs. But if they, as I say, as they are playing together, it'd be nice to watch them hold and play by Wood, maybe then setting up. Uh, Wilson and, uh, and vice versa. Yep. It, it, it would it would be a really nice partnership potentially. I mean, he has only scored three goals this season, not a huge amount. But then again, in each of those last four campaigns, he's got into double figures in the Premier League, which isn't too bad considering he's been playing for Burnley. And then again, how many Newcastle players can boast that as well? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of Callum Wilson esque levels. In terms of, you wonder, you know, if he was playing... I'm not saying Chris Wood is like this incredible player, but to, to get that... And, and to be fair, the, the, the number of goals that he'd actually got in each Premier League season had surprised me a little. I knew he was a decent player, but I didn't realise that he had consistently, as you said, four, four years in a row, hitting that double-figure mark, which, you know, is in the Premier League is a, is a pretty decent return for most players, unless you're Harry Kane or someone where... You know, you want to be looking at twenty plus. That's that's a pretty strong return, and then yeah, as you say, you factor in the fact that he's at Burnley. You know, you can kind of understand a why why he's only scored three this season because let's face it, Burnley. And I'm not saying this from any position of strength here either. <laughs> and you know, I'm not feeling it on Newcastle this season, but you know, let's face it, Burnley have been pretty poor all season as of we as of Norwich, well as of Watford. But you know what I mean. They've not been good, so yeah, three but uh, three goals this season. But if he can 
repeat that feat, get up to double figures, you know, score at least maybe another seven or eight goals in this second half of the season for Newcastle. Big ask, but that would go a long way to helping us stay up. Um, he's, and simultaneously, of course, by activating his release clause and, and therefore obviously leaving Burnley with no choice um, for us to accept our offer and then we can then we can buy Chris Wood. We've not only strengthened ourselves, but we've also weakened one of our relegation rivals. Yeah, it just remains to see if Newcastle can capitalise on this. I'm not exactly maybe as, as, as gutted as you are, but I do feel that this is maybe the beginning of the end for Newcastle now. One goal, or sorry, one goal. It feels like that sometimes. One game, one. You've, you've played a lot of your ones that were must win and got, what, five points? Oh, don't get me wrong. We're in a dreadful position and we need to be so much better in the next, um, what's, 18-odd games, however many are left now. I'm, I'm, I'm not optimistic, but I'm just trying to find a bit of positives now for, as I say, Chris Wood coming in. There's still potential for more signings. Like you say, the, the £25 million might raise a few eyebrows here and there, but all told, £25 million quid to buy a player, A, to take them off a key rival down at the bottom of the table with you. I mean, sorry, Burnley. Like, I, you know, I, I don't wish Burnley any ill, but just, just objectively, that's just good business. And then the fact that he, he will either keep us up or... <laughs> possibly more likely if we're in the championship next season a player like Chris Wood well I mean as we've seen before he was in the Premier League with Burnley mm. he will get you a lot of goals in the championship so if nothing else we're also boosting our chances of promotion next season uh, if if we do go down fingers crossed it doesn't come to that it could well come to that I wonder if your main players will stay if you go down to the championship... I think the big one is whether Sam Maximan stays. And Wilson. And Almiron. Yes, I think... I mean, look, yeah, Wilson is a proven Premier League striker. I think his injury record might slightly deter some clubs from going after him. But again, because he is a good player, is is very much a possibility. But I think the bigger possibility of leaving is Sam Maximan because... He is head and shoulders above almost everyone in that squad. Obviously, he's got a little bit of an injury record as well, but not quite to the same extent as Callum Wilson. And certainly, it's not going to put people off. He's also a lot younger than Callum Wilson as well. Uh, he's the big one, and I would be absolutely gutted to see him go. I mean, to, to be honest, if you well, I'm not saying I would take it, but I would feel a damn sight better about the possibility of us getting relegated this season. If you told me Sam Maximan will stay, Callum Wilson will stay, you know, Joe Willock will stay. I mean, well, Joe Willock, son, we needed another second half of the season from you because you've really done bugger all so far. Yeah, I better realise that he's been playing. Um, but anyway, that, we'll, we'll talk about Joe Willock maybe another time. But yeah. I mean, do we have to? Well, maybe. but It'll be a very short conversation. <laughs> anyway, Leeds, Newcastle. Yep, yeah, so we're away at Leeds next weekend. 
another big game, though possibly not quite as big for both sides as it would have been because Leeds, of course, very much were looking like they were getting sucked into the relegation battle with us. And I'm not saying they're completely clear, but I mean, they've literally won their last two Premier League games. Yeah, I had a really good game actually over the weekend. Was it 1-4-3? Yeah, um, 3-2, I think it was. 3-2. It was only those one goal in it. So, yeah, but yeah really, really good. Any, any, any win over West Ham this season, the way West Ham have been. Yeah. And obviously beating Burnley again, beating someone who would have been looking at Leeds' sort of slide towards the bottom of the table with interest. Um, they've kind of got themselves that bit of breathing room now. They're not safe, but they've got that bit of breathing room that, <laughs> that I would like to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously they're going to be desperate to win because let's face it, if they win that one next weekend against us, Mathematically, of course, they're not safe, but realistically, they probably are. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's it's so it, it's going to be a tricky one, and of course, for us, like Leeds have one of the worst defenses in the league. That is a good thing. I mean, they've scored, and again, I'm saying this is the team with, I think, the worst defense in the league, apart from maybe Norwich. I can't remember who's worse currently, but we're both awful. Uh, but Leeds are pretty bad as well. I mean, 39 goals conceded in 20 games, essentially two two per match. But again, Watford also have a really bad defence and it still took a bit of world-class skill from Sam Maximan for us to actually stick the ball in the net. So, I mean, I'm not saying that that means that we're going to have a field day against Leeds because we probably won't. Yeah, I think, I think Leeds have been quite quiet this season. They had a very, very good last season I believe although all the years have kind of merged into one um, but they've been pretty sneaky to be honest it, it, it feels this season in and out of say maybe like skirting relegation uh, or at least that zone and then popping pop out back into the, the middle part of ish the lower middle of the table Newcastle haven't beaten them in the last four meetings I feel that they're on a bit of a roll I'm not going to say Newcastle aren't going to get a goal against them, but I feel Leeds are in a much better position to capitalise on their chances. Yep. Whereas Newcastle are proven not to. If you do, if Newcastle do manage to capitalise on those, it could be a very exciting match. I still think it's going to be very back and forth, but as soon as Leeds get a goal, Newcastle are going to collapse again. That, yeah, that's always going to be the worry, isn't it, for the rest of this season at the very least. Um even, even if we go ahead, again, unless we get at least a two-roll cushion, it's going to be extremely nervy. And, yeah, I'm not, I'm not overly optimistic, I have to say. We drew one all with Leeds when we played them earlier in the season. Of course, now we're going to be away from home as well, which doesn't help. It's, it's going to be a really tough game for Newcastle. I mean, to be honest... Every single game for the remainder of the season is going to be really tough. We don't have any more home games against opposition of a similar level. We've used all them up and not made nearly enough of them, having only accrued five points out of a possible nine. Yeah, it's just not good enough. I guess... I guess the project that is being worked on at the moment, which is Newcastle Football Club, it's shown some good signs, but it's still, as I say, it's still in the making and there's still lots of ironing out, filling in, sanding over, 
putting marker over and pretending <laughs> it doesn't exist. There's there's a lot of work to be done. And I don't think there's enough time to do it. I think even if you bring in a whole bunch of other players, even then, no matter what standard they are, let's be honest, they're not going to be like world-class when they come in at this point. They're going to have to hit the ground running. Whoever else does come in alongside Trippier and Wood, they're going to have to hit the ground running. Exactly. And, and I, I feel that Newcastle isn't quite a team that is in cohesion with itself. It's not clicking. So bringing in more people isn't going to immediately make it click. And those people and those new teammates that Newcastle are going to have, they're going to need time to gel as well. I don't think there's enough left. I don't think there's enough left. This might be a championship podcast. Maybe we won't be allowed to do it anymore because it's no longer <laughs> premiership. It's, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a rough old time for the next few months. But hey, we'll be with you every step of the way, listeners. In the meantime, though, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and leave us a positive review, that would be absolutely fantastic, as I've said before. We could do with a bit more positivity around here, but we can only work with what we've got, listeners. And <laughs> <laughs> Newcastle have not given us much. <laughs> Until next time, though, this has been Magpies Unrestricted, and I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. And thank you once again, listeners. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.